Hello, hello. Welcome to episode 19 of This Won't Last Long, the variety podcast where I talk, where I, Michael Winter, aka Michael Creates, talk about everything going on in my life since the last episode, everything going on in pop culture since the last episode, um, and whatever other topics come to mind since last episode. So last episode was episode 18. I talked about the SAG after stuff, which is obviously still going on, and as well as um, the San Diego, San Diego Comic Con stuff that um, got announced and um, shown and stuff. San Diego Comic Con this time, or at the end of last month, the end of last month. Um, so yeah, it's been around three weeks. 19 days, whatever, um, since the last episode. So, since then, um, you know, starting with me, um, as of today, I would have loved to say, um, as of today, the self-documentary is done being edited and everything, but I still have a little bit to do for it. Um, but after the end of tomorrow, as of the end of tomorrow, my self-documentary titled Strum Into Progress should be fully edited and ready to um, uh, be put as private on um, my channel content, or on my channel. Um, because if you don't know, with the stuff with my other project, the interview, which is coming out in the fall, um, I tend to make the lead up to the releases of my projects really dramatic, and like to promote, like make really cool pro, uh, promotional material for my projects, um, and this is another one of those projects. So I. I'm debating whether to release it in um, before the interview or after, um, but it's either going to be September or um, November, so or or Christmas. But I don't know um, when I want to release it. But yeah, figure that out. Um, yeah. That should be done tomorrow. And I'll work on trailers in the coming weeks. Um, in the coming days and prepare all those. But yeah, man. It's... Fuck, man. It's like so... Fucking cool. That I... I kind of today, like... Let's say I worked on this for another five days. Um, I hope I don't have to, but like... It's been around five months because I looked on the, you can, well, you can't, but I can see my history of my drive folders. Um, everyone can, but like, anyway, I can see on the history of my drive folder for this documentary, when it was created and like when my first video for this documentary was uploaded to my drive. That was March 16th of this year. So March to April is one month. 
April to May is two months. May to June is three months. June to July is four months. July to August is five months. So, say I worked on this since February instead of March, or I worked on this until September instead of August. I've been working on this for the better part of half of a year, which is fucking insane. Five months of my life have been not fully, but just pretty much dedicated partly to this documentary. Um, with the last like month being more than any of the other four, than any of the other five, but yeah, than any of the other, you know what I mean? But, yeah, man, it's just, it's crazy that it's almost done. Feels like I'm, <laughs> I'm giving away a kid. <laughs> Speaking of um, university stuff, my parents gave me away to the real world, so to speak. At least more of it. Man, it's almost time. Two weeks today, and I am moving in to York University residence. That is mm, insane to me. And terrifying and heartbreaking and like I, like I already said exciting <laughs> all at the same time somehow um, but the two other parts heartbreaking and terrifying uh, I won't get too into it but um, part of my friend group I lost one of them from my life um, uh, some stupid reason I don't want to uh, get too personal here, but <laughs> yeah, she's out of my life for a really shitty reason, and I'm like, so in my eyes, and I guess her eyes too, our friend group is just without her um, and to her without me in my eyes my friend group is uh, me I'll just say their names because they've been in other things to me my friend group is just Lena, Caleb and Jim and then to the person that's out of my life now her, her friend group is just her, um, Caleb, Jim, and, uh, Lena, without me, so it's, it's annoying and shitty, and, um, lost the one else who I thought was a brother, uh, who thought, who I thought was gonna be my brother, um, A boyfriend of someone I know, but yeah. And then, just the other day, someone from my extended, like a step-grandpa, um, died. So, that's been in the last, like, week or two. More so week, leaning on the week part, but 
Yeah, so I've been great. No, I, it's weird because I have been, though. Oddly enough, with all that happening, um, that would, like, come a year or two ago, pretty much break me. I'm okay with it. Um, I mean, well, I'm not okay with any of it, but like, in the sense of, I wanted it all to happen, all the three losses. One of which, one of which being an actual, an actual loss from this world, like death, and then two, like just personal and social and emotional, like just out of my life, losing connections was with two people. Anyway. Um, oh my god, my eyes are too holy shit. Um, but yeah. I'm just... Like, I would prefer them not to happen, these three losses, but... I'm okay with... I'm okay with them in the sense that... Like, I'll manage, you know? Um, I mean, a, a friend I know... Um... Sarah was saying the other day, we were texting and stuff. Um, we tend to have really deep late night chats on text, um, at times, but yeah. Uh, the main point it got to before we say good, before we said goodnight the other day was that she was saying, um, I was kind of saying how I was worried. I've been worried um, since I lost that one person from my friend group who I considered family, like I consider the rest of them, I consider the rest of them family. Um, that I'll lose the red, that I'll lose the other three of them um, from the friend group, just from like our one-on-one -on -one connections overall. And then she, and then Sarah was saying. Uh, how uh, part of growing up is accepting that that just happens. Um, but it's a thing of like living, living in the present. And actually, you know what? I, I have my phone here. I'll just recite or paraphrase what Sarah said in the DMs. Uh, yeah, um, just that naturally, you know, losing connections either temporarily or permanently happens and just knowing there's a possibility of Reconnecting later is a really happy feeling, and shifting and stuff happens. It's like getting more busy and stuff like that. Especially with university and college starting up for most of us um, soon in the next few weeks. That's the start of life getting more busy. Then it just gets busier and less freeing. Uh, from this point forward, and I think that's the terrifying part, um, part of it anyway, 
the other part is of course losing the connection with them overall, but each of them overall, but yeah. Um, I think her saying, I think my friend Sarah saying that really helped me because, uh, yeah, I mean, and also I, I have other friends beside this one friend group, other one-on-one connections with people that no matter how little I see them, like on average, like a month or every month or um, every month and a half or whatever, the connection never loses its touch. And we never lose touch. So all I have to do is just hope and pray that that same thing happens with me, uh, Lena, Caleb, and uh, Jim. So that uh, each of us don't lose our connections with each other. And that's the hope and everything. So that's the little personal bit. But yeah. And part of that, um, is that it sucks with, um, the interview. Um, if you don't know about the interview by now, I mean, I, I won't explain as deeply as I have done in other podcast episodes. Like, the, if you didn't know, blah, blah, blah. Um, I'll just be very brief, but yeah. If you didn't know, the interview is a is the second project um, that I've been working on this summer and before that too, obviously, but because um, I recently found out that I actually opened or that I actually started writing the screenplay or conceived the idea of this in a screenplay form um, in writing uh, September of last year. <laughs> So come September, come next month, it'll be a year since I um, have been working on this. That's insane. But yeah, anyway. Um, yeah, like almost half a year on Strum into Progress, uh, the documentary, learning electric guitar and stuff, and then almost a full year working on this theater. Anyway, if you didn't know, the interview is not as big as the self-documentary, but it's big in concept. So the interview, if you didn't know, is a choose-your-own-adventure kind of progress, uh, kind of project. So it has three different endings, one being a more major kind of Im- major implications kind of ending, and two being like, what the fuck just happened kind of endings, like little smaller endings. Um, and then six pathways, as I like to call them, lead into those three endings. So there's nine videos in total, three endings, six pathways, and um, the premise is that, kind of like those Vogue interviews that a lot of celebrities fake through, um, and kind of be douches throughout, (laughs) Uh, my character is a hypothetical version of me that in the future, if, like, if I ever took the money to heart, kind of thing. An alternate version of me where I just, uh, become a rich asshole. Which, knowing myself, I will never become, but the joke is that, 
Um, there's still that possibility of me becoming that, so it's just... It, it's a meta-commentary on, anyway, irrelevant, but... Yeah, so... Basically, my character... Um, and I, for all intents and purposes, I would have named him Michael. Just my own name. But, um... Ala Markiplier, I figured I would name him Mr. Winter to make it more douchey. So, yeah, Mr. Winter watches the Truman Show for a university lecture the next day. And he basically uh, loses his sanity because he starts to think he's the main character. He starts to think he's like Truman in the sense of he's being watched his whole life and he's being uh, watched every moment of his life, so... Yeah, he kind of takes the movie as a uh, reality, and then you see where it goes from there. Um, with the six pathways and the three endings. So, yeah, I can't wait for you to see it. That comes out in um, the fall. I, I'm hoping for October, um, even though I'm done, like, in the next couple weeks. But yeah, um, because transition but yeah um it's all the interview is almost done tomorrow my plan tomorrow before work uh, before i go to work my shift starts at seven so it's like a 20 minute walk i would have to anyway so knowing so i would probably wake up at like 12 something 11 something um or maybe even 10 some 10 something in the morning and, uh, you know, eat something, get ready for the day, whatever. And then the plan is, before work, is to do as much, or finish as much edits, hopefully get all four um, of the, because there's four videos left that I need to edit. Um, well, I've done, like, some small edits to them, but, like, they're not... Like, there's still a lot that I need to do for them. I mean, editing-wise, because... And then the... Part, the video, the library video, still needs to be fully filmed. Um, that's the only thing that I need to film uh, stuff for. The other three, I need to um, just figure out stuff for um, and, and edit and finish editing them. So, and more accurately, tomorrow I will edit um, the remaining three videos that have already that already have everything filmed for them. And I will edit, finish editing those before work tomorrow, and then in the coming few days, um, I will edit or I will film. And filming the library video and fully edit that and then uh, everything's done and then I can you know um, organize it the way I want and make all the trailers from it and whatever behind the scenes and all that all that jazz so yeah and then um, same thing but with Strum into progress so, I'm doing all this 
working on all this so much now compared to the other times I've worked on this stuff because first of all I just want to have a little bit um, even if it's just like a week or whatever where I just don't have to do anything that I left on the back burner for before university um, and With these two projects being done, I don't have to do anything other than just, um, you know, like, oh shit, I almost spilled water on my laptop. Um, you know, just regular things like these kind of streams and, um, working out and just, you know, uh, daily, uh, during the week kind of stuff actual projects and things that I set out to do before university, I have nothing left after these two projects are done by next Wednesday because uh, I want to show all of this to my dad because um, I don't get to see him very often. You know, separated parents, you know how it is. Divorced parents, you know how it is. Yeah. Um, and I'm sleeping over there next Wednesday and um, he tends to have very good conversations with me about film stuff um, and creative stuff overall, so looking forward to that and I want to show him everything that I've finished and worked on. Um, and also, the other half of it is just, like I said, just wanting more time for um, uh, to not have to do anything before you know his say before I cut myself off um, with the interview it's been a little uh, odd because not that I don't like this guy but as a friend but yeah uh, with Lena and Caleb I was really looking forward to working on the full project with them and then after we filmed the intro video, uh, personal stuff in their lives happened. Um, that they've just kind of been out of commission for the last almost a month. Um, so we, have, we haven't been able to see each other, one of them. Um, you know, checks in occasionally, the other is just silent and have, has had no contact with me for over, for almost a month. Um, a little concerning with him, but anyway, uh, but like that friend of mine, Sarah said, and I agree with, and that I've also said to myself many times as a reminder um, it's just about that reconnecting later and not losing that touch whenever you see them and um, 
I just hope that happens the next time I see them um, separately or together, all three of us. But until then, I just have to hope. Yeah. Um. Anyway. But um, just for my own heart's sake and my own just be bothered by it less making a separate bloopers video with Liam and Cam because it's obviously more funny and I'm making a more for lack of a better word formal I guess you would um, I guess a less humorous uh, behind the scenes tonal, tonally wise um, tone wise uh, video with the person who um, for lack of, again, for lack of a better word, replaced Lena and Caleb um, Her name is Ollie, her name is Ollie, but yeah uh, Ollie came to rescue with that um, I don't know her very well other than just that um, she's in she's going into second year of my program at York um, and she also graduated last year from the same high school as I graduated from this year so I know her from that new uh, new oh my god <laughs> I knew her from a distance up until this point of like she can't help me anymore because, like, I think she uh, is either going away or she said she's not available after this week. Um, I'm working this weekend, so. But yeah, um, so I filmed the library video by myself and try my best with that. But anyway, besides the point. Um, So anyway, she has been helping me. She helped me for she helped me for three. Yeah, I want to say three filming sessions for this um, to film the remaining eight uh, path pathways. Or sorry, five pathways and three endings. Because um, she did help a little bit with the library video as well, so that is included. Um, and she's awesome for that, and I'll forever be grateful for that, because God knows when I would have... Uh, had... God knows who, who else would have been free. How long I would have had to wait for that. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, thank you to Ollie for that and helping me with that and putting up with my shit and stuff for those three sessions. And, uh, yeah, and everything's almost done. That she helped me film. And the intro video has been done for a while from Lena and Caleb, but yeah. 
<clears throat> and that's it, man. Two, two huge projects in both concept and in time and effort. Um, work, you know. Um, the, in the amount of doubts that I've had with both of them. both going to be done by next Wednesday, or I guess this Wednesday, I guess you would say, but yeah, because that's the, next Friday is the 18th, <clears throat> yay, payday, payday is my next, payday is next Friday for me, but yeah, <laughs> Wednesday the 16th. Both of these are going to be done Wednesday the 16th, by Wednesday the 16th. And the rest of the time I'll uh, stream more often in those nine days. Um, leading up to me going to university and uh, I'll figure out how to figure out like my setup for content creation in that first uh, week moving in New York and uh, yeah man yeah I think that's it with personal stuff um, and then of course you know posted about it I posted a bit on YouTube and TikTok um, while while you guys wait for these projects to be released um, including of course the new trailer for the interview, which is which has been out for a little bit at this point, a little while at this point, but yeah. And then of course the um, same thing with my last video I saved for like a month or two. Um, so I went out with a bang in terms of that, in terms of video essays wise, but. Uh, with great power dot 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 um slash whatever a video essay and um it's about quite a few characters and different uh, franchises and things and shows and movies that i personally love very much and that i believe totally believe apply to the universal message universal message that started with Stanley creating Spider-Man and writing um, with great power, there must also come great responsibility. And basically, a video essay about how that message applies to the, the characters that I mentioned that I love the different shows and movies and things. How the message applies to uh, life, how it applies to me, how it applies to film and TV and just uh, creativity overall, stuff like that, and it's a quite a hefty one, it's like 15 minutes of the topics and things, that's 
been out for a little while too, but uh, I would check it out. If I were you. My video essays always tend to do better than other videos for some reason, but I guess you have to check out why. Uh, the link is in my Twitch bio as well, I think. So go check that out. Yeah, going on to uh, some pop culture stuff. Um, not much has happened. Or has been happening. Um, just some rumors of James Gunn stuff that I don't care about because it's just rumors. Oh, James Gunn said this to Gal Gadot, and James Gunn said this about other projects, and James Gunn said I don't care. Like, they're all rumors. He's a great dude. He makes great shit. Like, only people who know what James Gunn says to other actors, whether directors and whatever, writers or whatever, people in the film industry about other projects is James Gunn and the person that he spoke to. Anyone else doesn't fucking know. You know what I mean? So, I consider it all bullshit in my eyes until James Gunn himself fucking talks about it. <laughs> That's why I think cancel culture is... Um... Mostly useless because it's um, in most cases it's been useless. Um, I think the example that I use every time I talk about this is the actor for Ralph um, from The Flash, seasons four to six. Um, <clears throat> um, AKA Elongated Man. That was his character's name. I forget the actress name, but anyway. He was fired for a tweet. Somebody from cancel culture uncovered from at the time, like 10 years or almost 10 years ago, whatever, that he thought that he found funny at the time. And that was still on his Twitter account for, again, almost 10 years in the past at that point. And he got fired for it. For no, like, that's such a shitty reason. Like, another reason, another person is, uh, Gina Carano from The Mandalorian seasons 1 to 2. Um, her character was, of course, Cara Dune. She was fired for, like, I think, talking shit about. It was either conservatives or Disney, or both, I don't know, um, on her Instagram. And you got fucking fired for it. Like, but a, a couple examples of it being used well, I think, are um, 
Jonathan Majors in recent memory, which I don't know if I've accepted yet. Like I, I know it's I know it's real. Um, or at least mostly true. Um, Like it so hurts, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I genuinely, I genuinely respected him as an actor. He was one of my, he was one of my favorite actors up until this point of him using his um, ex-girlfriend and stuff. Slacks, man. Do I hope that if there's a trial that it comes out um, that he was innocent and nothing actually happened that he can, and that he can continue playing gang? Yes, I fucking hope that happens. Sue me. <laughs> and if it is true that he did that, they have to recast gang. Then by all means, I fucking hope whoever replaces Jonathan Majors is as great as Jonathan Majors used to be. But yeah. And of course, another example in uh, recent memories as well. Recent memories as well is uh, Andrew Tate. Um, Andrew Tate's arrest and backlash and everything, and um. Tearing him down was a result of cancel culture being used for good. To tear someone down who deserved it. And you know, same with Amber Heard. It wasn't really cancel culture, but it was I mean, well, it was a mix of both. It was a mix of both uh, actual people on both of their teams, Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, but it was also Cancel culture. It's like a mix. Um, anyway, those, those are just a few examples of how cancel culture has been used well and how it's been used poorly. And, um, yeah, like. I think in relation to take after um, I've seen a lot of I've watched a lot of um, creators on YouTube obviously um, not only for inspiration but just because I respect the hell out of uh, people who do that since I do it myself and also just I it's, it's YouTube I fucking watch YouTube I don't know why I'm over explaining but anyway um, a lot of People I watch, the, the YouTubers I watch, uh, talking about film and entertainment and all that stuff. And um, a lot of videos I've seen recently, since the strikes have started for SAG after, um, have had like the warning before the video starts saying, 
you know, this video has been filmed or recorded or uh, written or whatever before uh, the strikes have started, which is a great thing for them to do, for creators to do, and uh, I'm going to do it myself when I talk, when I make a video, my video about Barbie, kind of putting it off. Um, by the way, Barbie was great. I I was thinking about what to talk about just before I streamed. I was like, that Barbie, like a Barbie review, did not come to fucking mind. So I will talk about that after. But yeah. Um, like in terms of my whole point of talking about that was Loki season two. The trailer came out recently. First of all, it was fucking awesome. Um, I think Loki is probably one of, if not the best, uh, Marvel Disney Plus show. I would even dare to say it's the best um, nerdy, like nerdy or geeky related uh, fandom Disney Plus show on Disney Plus. It's not the best Disney Plus show, I mean, there's a lot on there, <laughs> on there. Um, so, when I say that I'm excited to see uh, Jonathan Majors as King again. Um, when I'm excited, when I say I'm excited to see Jonathan Majors kick ass as King again in Loki season two, I'm not excited for Jonathan Majors as a person in Loki season two. I'm excited for King with Jonathan Majors playing him. There's a very clear difference there, and. You know, is it going to be hard to separate um, Jonathan Matrix as a person with the thing that they did, the thing that he did, apart from Kang as a dope character? Yeah, it's probably going to be a little bit difficult for all of us, but I think. What makes it better is knowing that it was that this was filmed way before any of this has happened, way before Sagaftra, way before the Jonathan Majors girlfriend stuff, way before any of it. So it's not even the same Jonathan Majors, the same kind of shitty douchey Jonathan Majors, abuse of Jonathan Majors now as he was before when they filmed Loki season two. So, knowing that, I think it's a bit better. In terms of, like, I'm just trying to think of when Kang will show up next. Assuming Kang shows up in... Maybe... Fantastic Four? Um, next year, 
Assuming he shows up in that, I would very much like to for him to be recasted. For him to be yeah, for him to be recasted. Uh like from Jonathan Majors to someone else new. To someone new, because like playing him because like they they're not even filming it yet Fantastic Four they still are casting the Fantastic Four like um, so knowing that knowing that if they casted Jonathan Majors as Kang I would be a little bit I would be upset because it's the shitty Jonathan Majors who will be his, his girlfriend I guess not ex-girlfriend, but um, anyway, that would not sit right with me. I would like him to be recast. Uh, that, that's the point of saying that, but yeah. I'm excited for Kiki Kwan showing up in Loki season two. He looks, his character seems very interesting, goofy and this, goofy and such. Um, seems like he's friends with Mobius, or maybe another variant of Mobius. So that uh, that's gonna be interesting. Um, Loki seems a bit more aggressive yet determined. It's weird. I, I think he's fitting more into the role. This version of Loki's fitting more into the role of anti-hero. Um, because with. Last season, Loki, Loki season one. I mean, all of it was just to go back home. You know what I mean? Until he realized the last few episodes, the last couple of episodes that any that month, that all of it was bigger than him or Sylvie or anyone. Or him and his brother, or just anyone. It was time itself. It was Kang himself. Like, it was... And he realized that, like... Shit. It kind of needs saving. And he kind of became a hero for a moment. Um... You know, I, mean, I, I think back to... A line that Peter Quill said in the first Guardians of the Galaxy. Um... When he's talking about saving Earth, you know, because I'm one of the idiots who lives on it. Like, I think it's the same logic that Loki used to validate himself by being um, being heroic in season one. Um, especially in the finale when the timeline is getting fractured, he warns movies and stuff like he. He wants the timeline to be saved. Yeah, sure, because maybe he's heroic for a moment. But also, he's one of the idiots who's on the timeline. <laughs> he's one of many variants of himself that is on the fucking timeline. So he, yeah, of course he wants the timeline to be saved. Because he's one of the idiots who's on it. Like, no shit. So... I think between season one and season two, Loki's kind of 
turned into more of like a aggressive anti-hero. Still not killing, it seems, which is good. Um, but more, more so like he needs to, like he, he has nowhere else to go and nothing else, nowhere else to go to and no one to go to. Um, except the TVA, because the TVA has become his life now. Um, so. And then overall, it looks like a great season, and I'm very excited for it. And, um, yeah. So, Barbie. Um, Barbie was a great movie. Nothing that I expected because the marketing for Barbie uh, told the story of a very different movie. A very different movie in the sense of it looked like a great comedic, um, kind of rom-com that you would see on, see on fucking cable one day at like 3pm. I'm sorry, but that, that's what the marketing uh, marketed the Barbie movie as. And then, just actually seeing the movie the other week uh, told a very different story than I was expecting. Um, it was still fun, very fun, as it was marketed as, and funny as hell at a lot of times as it was marketed as, but it was also emotionally heavy. Um, you know, important topics um, and commentaries it became a movie that cemented Greta Gerwig as one of my fucking favorite directors ever, of all time. And I don't say that lightly. Like, I love a lot of directors. But very few have reached that, like, point of one of my favorite directors of all time. Not calling my opinion genius or anything. I'm just saying, that's a very high bar. For me personally. And it's based off her previous work, too. I mean... Correct me if I'm wrong or not. This was either Patty Jenkins or Greta Gerwig herself, but I think Greta Gerwig did Wonder Woman. She did Little Women, I know she did that. Both of which I adore. They're not some of my favorite movies of all time, but I fucking love them. Both those movies, both Wonder Woman and Little Women, respectively. And now Barbie. I adore this movie, dude. It, not only um, very intensely, yet subtly, yet aggressively, but also wholesomely and positively, and then also negatively, shows what women go through. 
and how women exist on this planet, women sh how women shouldn't be treated, how women should be treated, how, how, femini how feminism and the patriarchy isn't and shouldn't just be about women or men, but it, sh but it should be about both, and that's the point. Equal rights. Um, you know, men and women being equal. And I think that was one of, if not the main message of the movie. Um, and um, also the more obvious one of um, not all stereotypes are true, and you can be your own person and um, divert from the stereotypes that um, social media, movies, TV, celebrities, shit, the Barbie, <laughs> and dolls set out to uh, have women be like. But besides that, it's also a hugely important movie for representation overall, not just women though. Uh, it was supposed to be Ben Platt as Aiken, um, and Ben Platt is queer and represents queer media, music, great guy. Um, he wasn't actually in the movie, but he was supposed to be Besides him, there was a couple, uh, there was like gay actresses and gay uh, Kens, like gay actors, and gay, uh, gay Kens and gay uh, Barbies, um, which was awesome to see, um, obviously, I mean, I would hope, you know what I mean, but like, um, colored Kens and Barbies, Trans Kens and Barbies, like showing, even though you know, like showing what us men should be and also shouldn't be. Showing Alan, which is oh, I'm just getting chills thinking about him, even though he's funny as shit. I mean, shit, he's played by Michael Sarah. He's gonna be funny as shit. He's gonna be played out as a joke, but. He represents um, the role I play in the patriarchy. Uh, queer, queer people, you know. Um, obviously, in my certain case, queer men. But like, he represents the middle, the middle ground. You know, uh, loving both men and women, uh, treating both of them right. And I'm not saying everyone is the movie and myself aren't saying that everyone should be queer to respect and love everyone. Um, but I think what it's saying by having Alan, there being only one Alan, is that not enough people 
are like Alan in the sense of um, just accepting the way people are and uh, respecting their boundaries and just showing human decency and um, really truly honoring feminism overall and the idea of equal rights and that's what Alan represents and that's my interpretation of him as a character and what he represents and overall this this just became a movie that I fucking adore and love to just sit with Greta, Ger with Greta Gerwig herself the director of this herself and just sit down with her and talk about what her own meanings were uh, meant to be with this movie and what the messages were meant to be and um, the messages and the portrayals and the hidden messages and the easter eggs and all that and the attention to detail that's filmmaking aspects I would just love to have a conversation with Greta Gerwig about this movie it's that's when you know a movie is uh, pretty special when you see it and one of the first things that come to your mind that comes to your mind during the credits is man I'd love to talk to, to the director about this and it's, it's one of those movies man it's up there and um I think the emotional part for me um, did it with me in this time specifically because the university is coming up, you know, life changing, I won't live in my childhood home anymore, parents giving me away, specifically my mom, like, Movie. I won't, without spoiling too much, the, the heart of this movie, the Barbie movie, was this mom and daughter who um, <clears throat> were reconnected thanks to this whole the whole adventure with stereotypical Barbie and whatever type of Margot Robbie. But yeah, um, and even though I'm not a girl and I'm not a daughter. I am still uh, not all the time, but some um, you know the how the fuck do you phrase that, man? Just for lack of a better um, a decent amount of but I am the son of a mom. Um, the son who, a decent amount of times, has expressed himself in a feminine way. Um, so it hit with me emotionally in that sense because. You know, it's hard for that generation to see um, past.
past these stereotypes when they were kids. Um, you know, the son that they dreamt to have, or the daughter that they dreamt to have. Um, And there's the mom accepting the daughter the way she is. Um, and, uh, my mom and a few other people in my life like learning to accept um, that part of me, the queer part and the feminine uh, family. Eminently expressive part, parts of me, like, it just, uh, really hit for me, emotionally, and that was, uh, pretty special. And then, also just the bond between the mom really hit, really hit with me, too. Because my mom's always been there for me, so. Um, it made me think about how special bond between my sister and my mom is um, and just made me think about how important they are to me um, saw the women in my life as well um, yeah cisgendered ones um, trans women cisgender women like Cis males who go by she, her, like all the women in my life. And they're all, all intents and purposes, real women, because they are. And um, it's made me think about how important women are, how important um, men are, how important both are to. Both are equally, and both um, important. Both women and men are equally to um, <laughs> to bring balance to the force. Um, no, it's just not to bring balance. To, fuck the world, man! Like they would say, we're getting there, but we're not. We need to if we want to save this planet. You know, climate change. Bigotry, racism, homophobia, like transphobia, like oh, the world is. We're so, we're so divided as a species, and this movie really showed us how we shouldn't be and how we could not be. How we could be more together and. Um, really important film in that aspect and many others that I talked about. So yeah, um, just to finish this off, um, since not much has been happening with pop culture, um, oh yeah, I still need to see Oppenheimer, so that's why I'm not talking about it, because I haven't seen it yet. Um, I'm hoping to soon. Anyway. Maybe with my dad next week, I don't know. Anyway. So... Uh, in preparation for Ahsoka, 
I finished watching Rebels for the first time uh, last week, and it was a very uh, special show. And I would, there is a few, there's episode 10, 11, and 12 left for the final season of Cold Wars as well. But, and I would watch those with a friend who I've had no contact with for almost a month. Uh, Lena, the Lena guy. Um, we were supposed to watch those three together, so I know everything. I know everything that happens. So I don't need to watch those three. Um, I, I I just like to. I just like to. I would just like to save those three for when he pops up again. It's like for the. It's for the thing of watching it with him. You know what I mean? So. I'll save those three until then, but yeah. Um, everything that happens is just amazing. I've seen them all through reactions. Yeah, anyway. Um, oh, Rebels. Within the first episode alone, I knew it was better than Clone Wars, and I know that may be a hot take. Um, but I've also I've also just always preferred the original trilogy era, or as many others would call it, uh, the re the rebellion era. Um, so that would be like the end of Revenge of the Sith to um, or yes, Revenge of the Sith to um, Return of the Jedi that era of time so that era of time would be like You know, it's, it's a classic era that has been expanded in Rebels, in uh, you know, the original trilogy, uh, you know, was um, and of course Obi-Wan and Like other stuff that has Inquisitors. <laughs> um, Solo. And other shows that are coming up like Lando and all that. Um, anyway, so... The first episode in Clone Wars overall, it felt like in that era in Clone Wars, and just 
in that whole prequel era. Jedi... And they're supposed to be like this in the prequel era, but in the prequel era, the Jedi felt like... Um, more than they were meant to be. Um, as Ahsoka says, you know, as Jedi, we were... Fuck. As Jedi, we were trying to be keepers of the peace. Fuck, I... Why? As Jedi, we were trying to be keepers of... Fuck. As Jedi, we were trying to be keepers of the peace. Not soldiers. Yeah, so like... Ahsoka was right, because... The Jedi in the prequel era have always, like... They felt like just tools, you know? Their egos ran wild and they just considered themselves the most powerful beings in all of the galaxy. And with the creation of Darth Vader, um, it was equal again, unfortunately. Prequel era, the light side was um, overpowering the galaxy and doing more harm than good. Um, being restrictive, um, showing a little bit of authoritarian here and there. that was greeted for them, which is so many levels of fucked up. And, um... Yeah. But with the original trilogy era, or the Rebellion era, really explores, that era really explores the Jedi as how they should be, which is protectors of all life, and not on the dark side or the light side, just on the side of life. Um, or I guess in terms of, I guess a gray Jedi. Um, that's what Rey is, that's what Ahsoka is. Um, that's what Ezra is. I know that's what Sabine, I know that's what Sabine is gonna be. And Ahsoka, I mean, come on. Her, her, her literal master is Ahsoka, I mean, come on. Um, by the way, that's fucking awesome. I'm, I'll, I'll add on that later. But. 
and then um, of course Kanan. Kanan is also a great Jedi. And um, many more, I'm sure. But yeah, that's what the Jedi should be in the uh, original trilogy, trilogy era. Ex Rebellion era explores Jedi as they should be, and that's why I've always preferred that era. Because even though I love how uh, how they're explored in the prequel era as well, you know how they're not supposed to be and whatever, it doesn't feel good. You know what I mean? Um, Like the prequel era is just tragic. It's a tragic era. Because it shows the fall of the Jedi and their flaws. Like how they shouldn't act like, how they shouldn't protect life. How they kill without even without remorse, without um, negotiation. They just kill who they think is dark. Who they think is with the dark side. Because they don't realize that maybe they have hope in realizing that that isn't the way for the galaxy. They don't, they just fight. As Ahsoka says, we were trained to be keepers of the peace, not soldiers. Why can't I say keepers? We were trained to be keepers of the peace, not soldiers. Okay, there we go. Oh, and also, when she says, um, the Republic couldn't have asked for a more better clone army. Nor I, a better friend. When she said that, bro. Oof. But yeah, Rebels, man. Neat. Um, since, I've, since I just explained how much I love your show, Shoujira. Yeah, like. Oof. Within that first episode, hearing the original themes, and obviously hearing the original themes repeat throughout the series, uh, four season series, um, up, up, and again, and again, hearing it in an animated show for the first time, um, Rebels for the first time, the Force theme, um, just, it didn't make me tear up automatically, it just gave me unbelievable chills, and, um, first episode of Clone Wars gave me unbelievable chills as well, with the with Ahsoka's former master, um, and Ahsoka battling, uh, it's her fucking face. Oh my god. Oh my god, oh my god, I'm ranking. What's her fucking name, dude? Baltrick, Baltrick. Uh, 
Ventress. The first episode of Clone Wars gave me unbelievable chills too. Not for the same reason though, like it was her just showing that mentor, that master, and uh, kind of a relationship between Ahsoka's former master and Ahsoka battling Ventress. And that, how awesome that was. Same thing here for Rebels, but it was, uh, it was Kanan and Ezra. It was the beginning of the relationship. I would say Master and Padawan, but it, was, it really became father and son, which hits me on so many personal levels that I won't get into. The father and son thing in anything gets me for many personal reasons. Uh, anyway. So that already put it above Clone Wars. Yeah, actually. I'll try not to do the comparing game here between Clone Wars and Rebels. Too much. Uh, but yeah. And then of course the end of the second episode uh, actually brought a tear to my eye with Obi-Wan's uh, even McGregor's version um, in his his character's message with the holocron with um James something returning to voice Obi-Wan for that message you know the in time, a new hope will emerge. Don't come to the temple. That time has passed. Like that. Oh. It actually brought a tear to my eye. And then, um, and then just, and then just came in exploring himself, not just with his teachings being limited, but just. Just came and accepting that he doesn't have to be a perfect master, but he can just be a good friend and be his family because that's what Ezra needs. So everybody needs, and that's so fucking important. And the ghost crew and the ghost squadron, rep the ghost squadron represents that. You know, Zeb being the older brother, the tough lab older brother that. Ezra needs, um, Sabine being the heart of them all that everybody needs, Kanan being the tough leader that everybody needs, Arrow being the same, but with a little bit more of the heart there, Terra, that kind of balances Kanan out. They're such a family and it's so important. So important that chosen family is represented in media, and it's done so well here. And it's that already is such an important thing for me as well. The concept of chosen family hits on hits me on so many different personal levels as well. Um, and then all the 
most original voice actors returning. Sam Witwer as Darth Maul. Or sorry, as Maul. Formerly Darth. Now just Maul. Yeah. Oh. Perhaps my actions will speak louder than words. Dude. Sam Witwer is fucking awesome as Maul. Always. He always is. Especially in Twin Sons. Oh my god, Twin Sons. One of the best Star Wars things I've ever seen. <laughs> and that duel. Like, I literally, I have a workout bar in the basement. Um, sometimes I get angry and go down, go downstairs to the basement uh, to work out, taking all my frustrations on exercises and things. Part, part of which, uh, I have a, a lightweight kind of workout bar that, uh, feels very similarly to the lightsaber, so I kind of practice poses with that and things, one of which in recent weeks has been uh, Obi-Wan's stances and defenses in uh, Twin Suns against Maul, this quick little duel with him, oh my god, Twin Suns man, but yeah, of course Twilight of the Apprentice. Perhaps I was wrong. It wouldn't be the first time. It was foretold that you would be here. Our long-awaited meeting has come at last. And speaking of at last... Oh my god. Palpatine is fucking self showing up in the final season of Rebels. Ezra Bridger and Ahsoka Tano. Mine at last. Like, oh my god. Uh, and voiced by Ian McDermott. Uh, even in season one, like, all, most, or not, if not all, original voice actors in Star Wars, or the actors in Star Wars return to voice their characters. Genuinely warm to my heart. Like, Billy D. Williams in a short appearance as Lando. Um, Frank Oz as Yoda in the feels every fucking time. <sighs> Ahsoka, of course, Ashley Eckstein, Sam Witwer as Maul, uh, James Earl Jones as Vader, dude, um, as well as Matt Lanter as. Anakin for his, his short lines. <sighs> Man. It, it just felt like such a continuation, such an old such an untold story. And really expanding what the rebellion meant and means. Not just Star Wars, but like to life. I don't want to get deep, but like to life as well. Because that's what Star Wars, that's why Star Wars has always meant something to me. Because the rebellion, light side, whatever you want to call it, I guess just for the rebellion, has always meant to me at least, um, it's represented to me at least, the good in humanity. 
and you know with Rogue One with Rebels um, and or like all these rebel cells as movies and shows call them these factions of the rebellion that are explored in different movies and shows um, expand how expand the um, the idea that in life there's always people doing good that you don't see that you don't notice there's groups of people that are doing good for humanity that you don't notice um, same thing but people doing stuff and doing good in your life that you don't notice like these silent guardians that you don't see and it's amazing and like, humanity is amazing sometimes and the rebellion resistance whatever you want to call it really represents that to me and it's so fucking important and so amazing and so beautiful and it's every faction they tell the story of the ghost squadron with rebels um the rogue squadron with Jin Erso and all them from Rogue One the it's called the Andor Squadron, Andor Crew from uh, Andor. You know, like all, all these factions, like told are told so well their stories. Um, and it just represents hope, like hope in humanity, in the good of humanity, and it's so important. All their original Star Wars moments that they lead it up to every season were told so well. Like it wasn't just the finales that they went all up for, it was other episodes. In the seasons it was like it was just Dave Honey giving us little like nuggets of peak Star Wars. That we could just snack on until the big fucking moment of the finale. And it's such a well told story. And Canon, my god, oh my god. Canon representing all the. Oh god, I'm fucking crying. Canon representing all the older brother figures that I've had in my life. All the father figures that I've had in my life. Ezra representing me, the doubts I've had, the, the growth I've had, the darkness I've endured, the hope I always have, the optimism I always have. Ezra is very much like me in those aspects. Same with Ahsoka. Um, This may be a reach, but in the world between worlds, by the way, this is all spoilers, but, um, 
by the way. The final season of Rebels, season 4, was in 2017. Before Last Jedi, before Rise of Skywalker. Before they were even fully developed projects. Get ready for this, guys. This may be a reach by me, but before those two movies were even fully made, Dave Filoni had voices of Kylo Ren, aka Ben Solo, who turned good at the end of Rise of Skywalker, became the last Skywalker in the Rise of Skywalker, and Darth Vader, and Anakin Skywalker. Call this a reach. But I think Dave Filoni knew the plan and finished the Star Wars story of the Skywalker saga before uh, Disney and J.J. Abrams and all them even conceived it. Um, because in the world between worlds, all the voices are light side users. Notice at the time, in 2017, Kylo Ren was just Kylo Ren to everyone in the Star Wars fandom. Kylo Ren wasn't Ben Solo, um, Jedi Knight, until the last moments of Rise of Skywalker. In 2019, two years after this episode released, who knows how long they were even writing that and planning that World Between Worlds episode and plan. All the voices are chosen ones and people who Contributed to the Chosen Ones bringing balance to the Force, including Anakin and Ben. Am I wrong? Dave Filoni is a fucking genius. <laughs> and Rebels cemented that more than I already knew he was with Clone Wars. Overall, just beautifully written characters. Callus, uh, aka Fulcrum 2, is one of my favorite characters in all of Star Wars. I said it. Callus, I love him. <laughs> I, I love all the Ghost Crew with all my heart. And um, I am beyond excited to see Ahsoka. Hopefully, with uh, my best friend, who uh, loves Ahsoka and Clone Wars and all that, um, and Rebels. Uh, Liam, I hope, I hope, he reaches out soon, so we can watch that together, but yeah, man. Whew. And I saw recently it was eight episodes. It's gonna be eight episodes, guys. Ahsoka. Holy shit. An eight episode, like an hour each, of Rebels season five. Oh, 
characters I hope to see. The theory that going around that the Inquisitor that Ahsoka has seen fighting in all the trailers is Barris. The same fucking Jedi. The former Jedi. Who had her who made her leave the Jedi Order. A, con a, contrib a contribution to Anakin turning into fucking Vader. <sighs> Ahsoka's former fucking best friend, besides Anakin, who betrayed her. If that's Barris, I will cry my eyes out. Because that is the one of the best fucking payoffs to anything in Star Wars ever. To any character in Star Wars ever. Like, I fucking said. Um, overall, it was just a beautifully written show. I love the Grand Inquisitor. I love all the girls, all the ghost crew. Um, I love how all of the original voice actors and actors came back in the show just to show the love. I love Ahsoka so much. <laughs> Kanan, man. Zeb, Hera, Chopper. Chopper's such a feisty little asshole. I fucking love him. <laughs> but he also showed heart in, uh, in, in saving that Imperial droid. That, that episode warmed my heart as well. And uh, Zeb and Sabine. Ah, uh, Callus and... Uh, Rex, man. <sighs> the last battle. Such a Clone Wars episode, and I loved it so much. It, it's so much, it's so accurately depicted PTSD, not just in Rex, but this whole show. Like... With Ahsoka freaking out, realizing Anakin is Vader. With Rex, I think his PTSD from the Clone Wars. Um, Kanan with Order 66. Uh, Wolf with Order 66. Like, oh my god. <laughs> I mean, never, um, never experienced it like that, like with war and stuff, but obviously, like, experienced PTSD yeah and uh, it sucks it's so accurately depicted here and it's uh it's pretty fucking cool and for both to do Dave Lundy to do and uh yeah overall it's just a beautifully written show and I urge anyone who hasn't watched Rebels to watch it now before Soko comes out and um same with Clone Wars again beautifully written show Troubles is better, but yeah. Duh. To end this off, I'll say two of my favorite lines. Um, both are very important, and I, I don't have to say much about them because I don't have to say anything about them past saying the lines themselves because they mean everything. They say everything with the lines themselves. So it was, um, the Grand Inquisitor in Season 2 Episode 
16, I think, of an Ahsoka came with tamed to the Jedi Temple on the Thal with Kanan and Ezra. She saw that for the first time, Kanan with his vision and his fear and stuff, realized that he, that he just has to be there for Ezra and the vision of the Grand Inquisitor as Temple Guard, as who we used to be, as a Temple Guard and as a Jedi Knight, with um, the line, uh, Kanan was like, what does this mean? Former Grand Inquisitor says, you are what I once was, a Knight of the Jedi Order. Now go, I will delay the enemy. That you are what I once was, a Knight of the Jedi Order. Now go, I will delay the enemy. Do it, and then um, and then finally, probably the best arc I've ever seen, one of the best arcs I've ever seen in a character in Star Wars with Kanan. If you can see yourself, then you will never be truly blind, Kanan, Janus, Jedi, Knight. It's one of the most important sentences. I will live by, I live by, uh, in life. With all that being said, man. Force will be with you, always. This has been this one last long.